Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsbirth.ie. And together we are Raw Pet Medics. <laughs> Connor, tell me you've got sound. Here we go. I'm here. I do. I'm already, I'm already oh. messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, why? Oh, well, you're sorry. frozen for that. <laughs> I just wanted to cause you a bit of stress. He was panicking. He was there on his own. He was the only one speaking. I was not. And he, and he said, tell me, Connor, you can speak. And I just pretended I was speaking, but I could hear and speak. Anyway, little jokes, little inside jokes. Sorry for the delay, guys. 1906, that's the latest ever. Uh, apologies. All good things come to those who wait. Mo Moddy Lambert says, uh, hi, guts. Hi, guts. I yeah. I've got lots of guts, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> guys. Moddy, yeah, we are. Maybe we are a bit intestinal, perhaps. We are, absolutely, oh, yes. Oh, you know, I thought you were going to say something know else. All of you know what? There's Jane. Jane obviously met you guys at the, uh, oh no, that's the Pet and Longevity Summit that we did last week. But you were at Edition Live there on Sunday, weren't you guys? You met everybody here on this list, it seems. You met yeah. Marty and Karen oh. and all those, Sasha. Yeah. It was yeah. great to see everybody, actually. Just to yeah. see people yeah. in the flesh, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. um, it's really good. I, a really great vibe of the conference. You know, just as we were talking just before we came on, actually, about... Um, you know, it's almost like you're not having to re-explain why you're doing what you do. You know, people accept that. It's now just yeah. about the nuances of, you know, what raw you're using, you know, other additions. You know, you sort of, you start at that baseline and you can just move on rather than having to revisit or tell why you want to yeah. proceed. Um, yeah, that's nice. Know, uh, as well as the holistic side as well. You know, people just being readily open. Yeah, that's fine. We're there. What, what have you come across that's great on the market? You know, uh, and talk about that rather than explaining why you're going for that instead of a conventional suppressant, yeah. etc. So, uh, yeah, that's great, refreshing. Great, great I heard. Um, I heard the RFVS uh, Raw Feed and Veterinary Society stand was run off its feet. So that's that sounds yes, a good was. Uh, a good report. It, it was. It was. It was busy. Yeah. It was busy, but it was great to see everybody. And don't let anybody get put off by that. You know, it's great to chat and to speak and to. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just go on about, you know, we've, we've now, um, we've launched Raw Safe. So that was, you know, a big question thing that was going on. Um, there's leaflets going out, literature's going out. RFBS had a wonderful leaflet to hand to your vet. You know, if they at all said, I don't know about Raw and I don't, don't think you should be feeding it, you can immediately just hand them a leaflet. Oh, now that's a good idea. Look. If you don't know enough, read that and look. There's information on the back how to contact RFBS and, and get up to speed. So, yeah. Um, that's all. That's all going out to affiliates. I'm just, I'm just going to put a plug for Patreon before we go forward. Um, so uh, really, really want to say thank you to all our Patreon people. You help a lot, and just knowing that you really give a damn and you want to support us is really lovely. So it's www.patreon.com forward slash Medics if you want to give us a few quid. Each month, 
without breaking the bank, we'd be really, really grateful. Thank you. It allows us to do our stuff. So thank you, guys. And on with the show. It's, Absolutely. It's the Bren, Parts Unknown. Show. Yeah. Parts Unknown. Yeah. So the, the idea behind the Parts Unknown, if I could just come in with that title, uh, Bren, uh, Exploring Bren, Parts Unknown is what I put on my pen. Oh, that's you've RPM. I put Bren. And a nice image, which I doodled on, which people thought was very funny. You haven't seen it yet. But uh, the uh, article, I have, okay. Um, and you just wait. You just was wait. Worse. We've got all took, sorts of stuff coming for you. I took some of the more, some of the more phallic things off. But, uh, so, um, so, listen, I thought it'd be good that we just chatted a bit about ourselves. Like, we have uh, just some things to talk about. And I thought the parts unknown, that's a reference to Anthony Bourdain, my absolute hero. But, um, from his travel show, but uh, the parts are known. So I just thought that we could just chat a bit about ourselves, where we came from, uh, what we've gone through. You, we have all done various small successful things and made an awful lot of mistakes. And I thought to the many, many businesses that are on here, we might have something to offer. And also the businesses can comment as well, because, you know, we'll do Bren and then we'll do Nick and then we'll go through me. And um, and then on the fourth one, I thought that as people are chatting, they can message us, get us on Patreon. And send us in no more than 200 words on your business, maybe with some images. Tell us a bit about your business, uh, any successes you've had, any cool stuff you're doing, anything innovative or just some just just something nice about your business. And me and the lads are going to pick out at least a two each and and do a kind of a helicopter spin promotion of these businesses as a little kind of push for small independent businesses, because we're all small, independent business people. That's what we are at the, at the end of the day. If we didn't. If you have to make some sort of money to keep going. And so business is part of this thing. If you want to keep doing this thing we're passionate about, you have to try and make a business out of it. And this is a particularly difficult industry to make money out of because most people are telling you you're furiously incorrect. And so um, so it's always interesting. I thought Brent would be a great one to start on because, you know, Brent, you are this extremely successful vet with a very successful um, clinic behind you and, and, and CV. So what a great place to start. Where do you want to start, Bren, telling people about you? Do we start at the start? Where were you, where were you conceived, Bren? Well, that would be a sensible <laughs> place to start, unless you're from a certain Emerald Isle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I love you, you. I love you to bits over there. But, you know, if you want to start in the uh, end of game and then work backwards to the prequels, you know, that's right, obviously that. what you like to do over there. Yeah, yeah. You, do, you do it your way. Where would you like to start? What's... Uh, What's the, what's the, where do you want to start? What's the first thing? Where were you born? So listen, tell us, where were you born and what were you like as a kid? And where did you, where did you get the idea to be a vet? How about those? That's yeah. three Oh, go on That's, that's the, the three, yes, the start point, what crystallised yeah. me into the person I am. So I was born, actually, not far from here, a mile from where I'm sat, um, oh, uh, in Bookridge, in Leeds. Um, I... Uh, and that's not because I've stayed here and I've never gone out the village. Yeah. Um, that is... Uh, I don't want to leave the village. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody love it. Bloody love it in village. I love, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's got bloody everything. But it is. <laughs> bloody Southerners. Bloody hey, Irish. I don't know. I, 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 I tasted what they were like down there. I just had to come home. Anyway, so... <laughs> It was literally, this was a formative place for me. And it just so happened that the veterinary practice that I bought into and now own and, and uh, you know, be, I'm part of and still running uh, is actually the home practice of a great guy. Um, 
uh, called John Saxton, who set up back in 1970 in this practice. Um, and he literally has been a stalwart in uh, veterinary homeopathy for, oh, yeah, well, as long as, as it's been a thing, really. Yeah, so, I mean, he was one of the original guys that really was pressing things through in the eras um, uh, when it was probably even rarer than it is today. Went through the heydays of the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, and it sort of dropped away again a bit, really, with just, you know, the, the sort of bad press and things like that. But anyway, John Saxton was here. I came home uh, having uh, qualified down in London. You know, my mum had taught me to sort of like explore the, the world. Sorry, and, so, uh, sorry, Brent. Yeah. So my mum had yeah. no, about about your 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 college where you qualified. Oh, from the Royal Veterinary College, the RVC. Oh no no, I I heard you the first time. I was just commiserating. <laughs> <laughs> Good try, Nick. Good try, Nick. But then we'll come to where you qualify. <laughs> I was in a heyday when it was just a, a, a marvellous experience of me running the student bar. You know, oh, it's lovely. like that was the start okay. of my entrepreneurial, um, you know, entrance into the business world. You ran the student bar. bar. How do you stay away from the pints when you have a job like that and you're 18 years old? Like that's... I never said anything about staying away from the pints. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a job. That's like my dream job. Beautiful. So, yeah, just, um, yeah, those, that's my formative. What was I like as a child? Hyperactive child. That's oh, yeah, what okay. I was known for. Um, in fact, actually, that was one of the things that my mother asked for John for advice on, you know, how to keep me quiet. And I think one of his comments was ace promazine. Um, which you know, back in the day, those that don't know, uh, it is a sedative. Don't worry, I was never given it. <laughs> no <way>. Okay, <laughs> not that <laughs> the, the other alternatives were actually to get my mum to look into things like tartrazine, which is the orange coloring in and orange smarties, juice and stuff like that. Mm. And uh, so that was the, the sort of First lead-in my mum had to actually, maybe we should be getting off all of this preserved stuff and, you know, colourings to just try and calm me down. I was renowned for um, literally going from 5am through till 1 in the morning, uh, non-stop, you know, just running them ragged. So don't don't um, you still do that, in all seriousness, from uh, what I hear? Yeah, well... (laughs) Well, when you're running, when you've got your fingers in as many projects as I have right now, you sort of, you, you've got to do that, you know. Yeah, some sometimes, degree. sometimes um, I might be out on a Thursday night, Friday night, something's happening and I just crack off a message to RPM, usually something abrasive or abusive. And uh, Brent just messages straight back. You know, it's like it's normal. It's like it's a school day. And Brent's like <laughs> something coherent back. And I'm like, oh, it's half 12, one o'clock in the morning, Brent. So, uh, yeah, yeah and I'm going to apologize. Amaya, who joins us uh, on Feline Fridays, and she's been doing a great job, uh, Feline Vet, uh, she messaged me um, some information about um, the lipoprotein profiles in cats. Um, and, you know, what did I think? What papers did I know about uh, yesterday? And I sort of 
busy doing a few other things, uh, you know, recovering after Edition Night, but, you know, sorting out the farm and the goat and all of that. Side of it. So last night, had a good read of all of those articles, wrote back a reply, sent reply, and then suddenly realised it was like half past one this morning. Yeah, I've often done that. Two European time. <laughs> yeah. Bless her. She woke up at um, probably seven o'clock. She messaged me, thank you very much. I agree entirely, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, at which point I was already awake to go back out to feed the goats. So I messaged her straight back. <laughs> she was a bit like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Four hours sleep, are you a vampire? Yeah. <laughs> And so you. So, yeah, you I do apologise. When Brent, when did you first want to be a vet? That's, that's a lot of people ask me that. You know, at what age did you want to be a vet? You know what? I found that a real challenge when I first uh, wanted to be a vet was about yeah. age seven, okay. And it was actually when my parents had allowed me to start keeping guinea pigs, uh, male guinea pigs, so we didn't end up with fifteen thousand running around the garden, um, and. It sort of sparked something in me, which I would say was not necessarily just an interest in animals, but actually an interest in what is, makes us different. What makes that pile of organic matter different emotionally and connected wise to that guinea pig, that person, that sheep running around doing stuff? Because it's not just a mass of organic matter with electrical activity. You know, there's so much more to that. And I'm not going to get very religious about this because I'm not sure that that's even where I went with that. It's just like there is something magical about that that drove my scientific drive to find out what is going, what is that all about? What makes, what is the spark of life? Okay, and that's probably what's really driven me um, to find out there was a point where um, I was perfectly happy to go off and be a, a medical doctor rather than necessarily a vet. Um, it was, uh, I applied for both uh, when I went to university. Um, I got offers from both. Um, and it was only really just that constant, you'll never reach the grades you'll need to be a vet. You'll never get there. But actually, has always got me over the line. And, you know, bless my parents, were, you know, we're always just, look, what will be will be, do your best, see what happens. Why don't you apply? You've always wanted to do it. Um, and it was back in the day where, you know, they also looked favorably, and probably some of my offers were because I did a lot of practical experience, but not just in looking after animals, but actually in communicating with people. I did a lot of work in on people's homes, in um, homes for disabled, in, you know, lots of those sort of charity dealing with, you know, just emotional connection to people that actually probably also formed how I am in consult. Um, and I think for any upcoming vet or any vet out there, you know, that's the sort of background you probably need if you want to stay in practice and cope with how people communicate yeah, that's, and understand the different characteristics. That's interesting, isn't it? Because today you kind of need, in Ireland anyway, you need maximum points to get into the to get into veterinary. It's it's above uh, medicine, I believe. It's it's up there at five sixty, five seventy. I think only actuary is high above it, and uh, so it's a it's it's a really max. difficult course to get into. Yeah, maximum really high points. Uh, just not enough places, you know. Not enough colleges pushing it, but um. 
of what people were worried about back when I was in college doing science is that like perhaps the way we've structured uh, schooling is that people are, are a certain way that can put out maximum points, think a certain way, and perhaps you can be book smart and perhaps suffer a little bit, uh, you know, making uh, enormous uh, friend connections and whatnot. You know, you would, you would worry that they wouldn't be people people, uh, but that's obviously not true. It's a complete, you know, painting everybody with the same brush. But perhaps there is something to that, because to be a vet, you have to deal with the people. I mean, whatever about the animals that you're trying to treat, you've got clients to deal with. And uh, doctors are notorious for it, where you get a doctor with not a great manner, you know, uh, and it will happen with a vet and it'll happen with any. It'll happen with a plumber. It'll happen with a news agent. But you've got a very people fo uh, focused job. So that has to be a big part of it, getting into it. I wonder, do young vets realize that when they get in, they have to, at the end of it, as well as animals, run a business, run staff and run clients well like if that if that's no easy undertaking that's covering a lot of different facets of human biology and and bless them you know there's this so when i qualified when nick qualified you know we're, we're virtually within years and, and he's older than i am uh, so but uh, from but from a point of view of that you know we were estimated to be in practice for 25 years well i'm i'm over that average now so you know it's uh, um you know, they're waiting for me to pop my mortal coil or, or something because we didn't retire because usually within two years of retirement, that's it, we're gone. So wow. um, the <laughs> that's that's just the way of it in the medical profession. It seems to be what happens. Um, and, and so we're driven. And, and for me, it's a vocation. I mean, I will talk animals day in, day out. If somebody approaches me while I'm walking up, you know, Hellbellin in the lake and ask, and ask, ask me a question about vet stuff, you know, I'd, I'd quite happily talk about it because it yeah. is for me a vocation. It's not a job uh, from that side of things. But for after I qualified, we noticed quite a sea change because of that shortage of um, you know places. Um, it was there was a change in exam technique, um, and it favoured academic success. And they really wanted to push for you know people that were getting the top academic marks, as you were talking about, Connor. Um, and they took away some of the practicalities. And what we saw was a, a massive sway, um, for, for better or for worse. Um, it ended up being almost 95%, even 99% in some universities, uh, female, you know, good, high achievers academically, um, a little bit swayed to one side, uh, I would say, because it's not given a breadth of approach. Um, but I think it was very much towards academic success. Um, and that's great, but what then revealed is we came to the late 2000, so 2010, thereabouts, we actually moved from 25 years estimated time in practice down to three. Whoa. And that's massively <laughs> impacted. That was what? people, you know, the profession was not what they thought it would be. Um, so what they've started to instigate is new modules to train them on business to train them on you know how to communicate to train them on doing you know other practical stuff what else you can be as a vet um just to try and not lose them from the profession and actually you know what it's it's so much more than that that they need to be looking at that actually there's a practicality of recruitment at, at that base level that that has to be revisited um and they, they are correcting it, but it takes time. It will mm. take, just as that has taken from the early 90s all the way through to 2010 to suddenly realize what they've done. 
it's going to take another 20 years for them to actually you know change things to be getting practical skilled people that want to be in general practice and not to have it as a academic success uh, yeah. marker a lot of That's people totally thinking right. yeah and I'm, yeah i'm just going to say you don't need to have the brain the size of a planet to be a vet you need to have common sense you need to have emotional uh intelligence um you need to be able to read people. So what, what I did when I was at college, I did a lot of hitching around the place, and that teaches about people very rapidly, hitchhiking. And um, I worked in bars a lot. And, and you know, if you want to learn about human nature, working in a bar is a very good idea because you see very sensible people become very unsensible all within the space of about four hours. And you've got to manage them all the way along there. And also working in restaurants as well, where people, where you see the best and worst in people. So, completely agree that you know, and I'm not the best, best. I, I don't think I'm the best clinician in the world. I think I'm quite a good vet though, because I, I I think I'm a fairly good mix of all these characteristics that that, that allow you. I always say to my clients, communication is ninety percent of good medicine. You know, yeah. Um, I think yeah. it really is important. So, Brent, tell us about your first day in practice what were your emotions any cases that stand out uh just, just, oh just you, you, you probably you probably heard this one nick uh yeah no, you know my first day all right my first day in practice um was a, a practice in uh, mansfield so i sort of got halfway back up the uh, the m1 to, towards lee um and i had um an introduction of I'd actually got this job and he'd been praying to God that I was going to start on this day because he'd been let down a couple of times. Um, and he introduced me and he said, okay, uh, this is a two centre practice, two vets working, okay, so two practices, um, physical buildings, two vets would work and he was about to go away on holiday. So literally, I came in, worked the Friday, um, got given the keys to the practice house where you know, in those days you used to get given accommodation alongside the job so you weren't living too far away told how to work the phones told how to uh, cash up um, and go to the bank and then literally said this is the consulting oh, this God. is what I do um, and by the way we've got this emergency in can you operate because I'm consulting Wow. And it was a 60 kilo Rottweiler with a pyometra. And that was my Oh my God. First op in practice under my watch. Um, it was slightly obese. Um, it, was a, it was a challenge. And I had some great nurses around me, one qualified nurse. The other nurse that was qualified actually was his wife. So they were going away on holiday. Um, and then there was one other sort of trainee. Uh, nurse that had sort of like stepped in. In those days, it was a bit less sort of official for training. Um, so, yeah, that was a really interesting two weeks. A terrible, just said, terrible a neighboring practice. Here you go. You know, that, that, there's some details. If you need any help, call them. They'll be there. Um, I, I mean, fortunately, in those days, I'd got lots of practical experience. So, Unlike now, where a lot of people are almost reticent to be 
operating or having experience. You know, in those days, I was given lots of experience and guidance as a student how to operate, you know, doing all of the basics um, and that side of things. Um, and so unlike Nick, who had been in the outback up north, north of the border in Scotland, you know, uh, not learning how to do anything, you know, I was, <laughs> you know, given some great guidance on some practical skills of actually being able to lift up a scalpel and stitch something back together without it looking like Frankenstein. You know, but then... <laughs> my friend, I, I, I was, at, and I was discussing this with the farmer at the uh, at the edition of Dog Live. I was taught how to knock down an an Ayrshire cow just using a short piece of rope, which is very useful, I find these days. <laughs> so very practical. Very. Practical. Is, is this a, Is that a true story? I always, I always wondered. <laughs> that is a true story. Why do uh, I always wondered why vets are trained to learn on every animal? So why don't they ask uh, young vets at like you know second and third year, say, get them through the basics, get them into third year, and go, guys, do you want to work on a farm or do you want to work with cats and dogs? Why not eliminate you know a large portion of the animal kingdom and say, right, you're not going to be putting your hands up cows' butts. That's not in your future. You want to be working on small animals, cats and dogs. That's where you're going. You know, you're not going to have a cow walking into a surgery here in Greystones. It's a, it's a, it's a village, you know. So why wouldn't you do that and separate people out? Why is it so important to learn a ruminant's digestive system if you're going to be working on cats and dogs? Uh, I think, well, actually, you know, we've learned so much of that experience. It's great for us now talking about nutrition and talking yeah, yeah. about what those animals, how they get their nutrients into their systems for us to feed carnivores yeah. from them. Um, you know, why a dog is not a ruminant, you know, what are the important components? How important is the microbiome? All of those things are really important. And actually, when you're learning the anatomy of physiology and you're learning all of those gut things, that is nine tenths of nutrition. And to me, you know, for all that we then say, oh, and there's this bit that we only get three hours of nutrition. Well, we've got three hours being taught about kibble companies and how they make their food. Absolutely, that was the biggest turnoff ever. But there is shed loads of other information, you know, how we learn the metabolism, what, you know, all of the hormone influences, you know, et cetera, that comes into what is important about nutrition today. So yeah. I think actually they got it right. I think what they didn't get right, but I managed to overcome was getting the experience of those different areas of practice. And, you know, I managed to pay my way through university by earning in the summer break, you know, going into a, a farm structure, great farm down in Dorset. Um, it was a, a large um, organized uh, estate, really. It had three uh, 200 head cattle uh, farms on it, uh, each were milking herds, but they compact calves in late July, early August. Um, all of them, all three. So I got a job there. I was working their outdoor pig rearing unit. Uh, I was um, getting experience with their milking stuff. I was carving cows, uh, you know, all of that side of things, rearing beef, you know, what they were doing with that. Yes, getting to do the fun stuff, driving tractors, you know, uh, helping with bringing the crops in, learning how their agriculture worked, what was going on with those. Yes, it was crazy days of you get up at four, you went to bed at 11 and, you know, you just basically find some time to, to um, uh, 
to try and get a break halfway through that day yeah. uh, if you could catch up. But it was, you know, long days, uh, great money, great experience. Um, uh, but that that saw me through lots of farm work. I just, you know, I almost got it out of my system. Yeah. But I felt, you know what? I don't need to be woken by a displaced Aber Mason at yeah. 2 a.m., yeah. you know, uh, and have to go out and operate out on a freezing cold night. That's yeah. not... The sort of thing that I need to do. How many? How many years were? How many years were you in there? Did have your clinic? How many years were in your clinic? Were you? And what was the? What was the best and worst thing that happened? What's, what's, what's your, what was your favorite? So what's your I, worst, I did worst a little. Thing? You know, I'd advise anybody going into you know just coming out of vet school and just to write a little plan. I was advised to write a plan of what I wanted to be, and, you know, where I wanted to go, and I wrote a plan saying, you know, and I spaced it out. And I went, you know, 10 to 15 years time, I'd love to be a partner, you know, 10 to 15 years after that, you know, I'd probably be retiring or, you know, owning a practice and that would effectively be my pension. Uh, and I managed to become a partner three, three and a half years after um, qualifying. So I effectively oh, came yeah. back to Leeds uh, and spoke to John Saxton, who just happened to say, well, I want to step back, step back. Do you want to take my place? Um, came in to that practice um, with an inquiring mind, I would say, you know, that's why I went into doing the homeopathic qualification. Um, I think it was actually those conferences where I first met Nick um, back in the day, so that was the late mm. 90s. Um, and then by 2003, I wanted to drive the practice forward and my colleagues were sort of wanting to take a step back and so i just said look this isn't going to work if we're you know going in opposite yeah. directions at this point so i offered them to, to purchase them out at what was the going rate at the time um so that was fine on one hand but a lot of stress okay um that probably was the breaking of my first marriage because uh, we had kids we had you know me buying a practice, running, you know, a practice oh, yeah. at that time with a lot of strain. short of 20 people, um, having the debts to the bank, you know, hundreds yeah. of thousands of pounds, you know, yeah. building, yeah, um, you know, all of those sort of things, you know, seeing then the change in dynamics, learning, because I was also training nurses at that point, um, you know, trying to make sure the vets were happy. I had some great vets around me, you know, uh, Wendy Dixon, who's was Wendy Vink at the time, you know, is a great homeopath. You know, she was a stalwart. She was from New Zealand. She was going to stay in the UK for, you know, four or five years, just experienced, you know, being a vet. She became a veterinary homeopath. And she stuck with the practice for 17 years, you know, pretty much, you know, did a, a long stint. Uh, so it was great. I mean, we've had some great vets. And, yeah, one of my partners stayed working until COVID, you know, literally retired um, just over, well, just two years ago, uh, thereabouts now. So he's literally, uh, he stayed on as a vet, even though he just didn't want to be a partner anymore. He didn't want the hassle of, of dealing with that side of things. Um, and that's where, you know, it's been so, what, the, the worst days, probably going through that deep depression yeah, having some really bad times, you know, with yeah. all the stressors. Yeah. Um, greatest days, you know what? 
some of the greatest days are the simplest days. They are just when you see a patient's spark return. They're just, you know, uh, being in the room when they walk in and you see a smile on the owner's face, you know, because they're, yeah, look, I know I'm from Yorkshire, but I'm not really a Yorkshire Terrier person. I, I'm not, okay? Um, the little terrorists, uh, as I like to refer to them, can be you know, the bane of your life um, if you've ever seen a Yorkshire Terrier. But there is the sweetest little Yorkshire Terrier that had, you know, was really down in the dumps uh, the other week. And actually, you know, being able to just back them off from all conventional medicine, give them some nutritional advice, and then within five days, see that owner just come in with total relief and glee and the little dog run up to you all happy and you know wanting to be fussed and everything else those are what make the happiest nice. day so it's not one day it's you know it's just every time that happens yeah this is what we've got we've gone over already but look what do, what do you do when a vet goes into a retirement here and uh goes off into the sunset at this young age brain uh, what's the top two or three things that wags your tail at the moment? What are you? What are the top two or three projects in five minutes? Yeah, I'd love to say that I was retired, but I yeah, no. <laughs> I have I have cut my hours back, but I'm literally oh yeah, uh, sure, you're still you're still uh, working because, in the clinic, of course, yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm still working there. Um, I uh, am also doing some advice for various other companies. Um, uh, it should be so. Boulders that let me just say, you know, um, I'm part of uh, advising Bella and Duke, which is, you know, a great raw food feeding company. Um, I have um, been playing a big role in RFBS, um, still on their committee. I'm, I'm more than happy to do as much as I can to help them out. I'm in a project to help do, I'm president of BAHBS, which is the Homeopathic Veterinary Surgeons. Um, in the coming years, so I'm their junior vice at the moment. Uh, so I'm sort of going into that project a little bit more. Um, I've got uh, Raw Safe that we launched uh, last week. Um, Bloody hell! You know that's that's uh, you know another <laughs> little area of, of of interest. You know I've got all of these tick boxes. I'd love to write a book, but I need somebody to advise me on how to do it well because I don't know anybody just yet. Um, and... <laughs> That's painful. I'm sitting uh, right uh, here. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I keep I keep rereading it and think thinking there this is, is something about this this guy, but I don't know what it was. <laughs> this is easy. Something My God, familiar. people buy this shit. <laughs> And, yeah. and and then you started you suddenly decided to get into farming as well. I mean you you always had you always had a bit of land. Were you always doing a bit of farming or were the goats just a new addition to keep you busy because you're just so not busy doing all these other projects? Look, do you know what? That's the grounding bit. Do you know I was just sat out, I sent you you guys some videos, I think, uh uh of uh, yesterday. So you know, if I want to just go out and just be, you know what I love just to be around animals, not just around nature, not just around great views, but actually just to take a moment, sit down. I don't go pounding miles anymore. Uh, I will literally sit down in the middle of the field. I will, you know, uh, my, my, my uh, um, little uh, spaniel that comes out with me just about everywhere in my shadow, 
Uh, she will come, she will just, you know, run around, seeing to the rabbits, having a look at, you know, what's going on, come back, sit down next to me, we'll just look out of the view. And then before you know it, the thing about having these farm animals is that actually if you just sit and be, just them coming over and they almost include you in the herd. They literally will start to graze around you as if you are one of them watching out for the predator, you know, that's going on. Um, and that's what I get. And, you know, it's, it's a magical experience in itself. Oh, I love that. You know? Yeah. So, uh, and it has an energy all of its own. And that's, that's something that does keep you grounded. Yeah, that's you amazing. Do need that. Brent, you do need that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, just to wrap it up. What have you got any a message just to as it's it's your show today? Um, just kind of summing things up, or or words for the future, or how to stay sane, or any little nugget that comes to the forefront of your mind. You know what? Where Wherever you are on your journey, okay, there are people there ahead of you and behind you, and actually always around you that are more than willing to lend a hand. Okay, all you need to do is engage and ask, and you will find them. And don't don't be afraid to do that. And of course, there are going to be people going the opposite way down the street, okay? And that don't want to engage with you and probably come from the south of England and don't even say hello, okay? Uh, but <laughs> there are also people that are going to help you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah, you definitely, you can't, you can't operate a small business uh, and think you're going to do it by yourself because you hit those difficult times and sometimes you don't really have many people to talk to about it. You know, it's hard to talk to your partner when things are bad for a year or two, you know, it, and it's hard to keep coming on up with the doldrums because they don't have the solutions you're looking for. You're just trying to vent and your best friends really don't really want to hear that all the time. So you kind of keep a lot of it in small businesses, particularly when it's not going brilliantly. If there's a bit of an issue, it can be quite lonely. And uh, uh, yeah, definitely. No, I bet you, Nick, you've had those times. I've had those times. Everybody listening in their own yeah. jobs and life, I'm sure, but Small business can be quite isolating, so yeah, definitely reach out, get in chatting to people and people. Do you do vets, uh, Brent? Like when you're running the clinic, do you reach out to other vets that are in a similar position? Whether vets that you would suddenly latch onto and go, "Oh, he's 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 got a great game there," and kind of and learn from them, or do you operate independently? Like, is there a group that you meet? So, oh God, you know other projects that I've done from the Yorkshire Veterinary Society, uh, you know, which is actually all about connections with other vets throughout the region, um, was all about that communication. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, remember, vets are doing at least 35 hours of communicating with other vets, getting guidance, learning from other vets, you know, what they're doing. Some of them, they will see as professorial sort of level, you know, people giving, you know, their view on certain disease, etc. But also there is at the other level, still CPD, but is other vets doing exactly what you're doing, but sharing experience, but actually communicating about what's going on. Just feeling that level of community that we're all at the same 
point or there are some of us at that point and we're all trying to develop ourselves and actually improve ourselves that's what cpd is all about um is that's the bit that you learn things from and he's gonna just pick stuff up you know i pick up habits bad habits from nick all the time uh, (laughs) i set them off (laughs) spend five years trying to trying to get out of it uh but just you know it, it is it is you know just speaking to people I think, you know, that's the thing, isn't it? You're always going to pick up nuances, just like we um, will mimic people with their accents, you know, if we're in a certain environment, you know, we almost do it subconsciously. Yeah, definitely. Well, you pick up all sorts of other behaviours in exactly yeah. the same way yeah. if you spend enough time with people. Yeah, I found it incredibly therapeutic. Uh, There's a couple of small business courses that I did, but one in particular, it wasn't too far from my home, maybe 15, 20 miles and he used to go there on Tuesday night and I was surrounded by 2025. Um, you know, um, it's an entrepreneur kind of course thing, you know, where you're trying to set up something new. And 23 of the 25 of us were just like, you know, in, like, in the shit, for want of a better word. Like, you know, you had this business that you knew there was something to it, but there's just so many things to learn so quick and so many pitfalls that you fall into every single one of them, no matter how many people tell you to be careful because you don't have the business sense. You don't have accountancy sense. You don't have some sort of, and, but when you meet other people in the same situation, it's a, it's a massive relief because then you think I'm not the only person that's struggling to get this to a point where it's, it's very secure. So, uh, yeah, so that's interesting. Look, I love that brand. Bloody hell. I could have talked more about that. That was really nice. Yeah, it's yeah, got yeah. People, are, yeah. people are really very, yeah, very that was uh, nice. uh, appreciative. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, Brent. Right. Well, Who's great. Well, we've got you uh, guys. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, you, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do next week. I? Yeah, I'll, I'm happy to go next week. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And, and we've got a few star guests as well, I think, lining up as well, haven't we, from various companies and stuff. So. We've, got, we've got some big plans. Uh, we'll announce them as they come. We want to we make sure we get their dates right okay. and stuff and that. So we'll announce them as they come. But yeah, me next week. There's nothing I like more than talking about myself all night. So this is going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. so, We're going to find out. I no think yeah, next no week. Next week there'll be no pictures. We're just <laughs> yeah. expecting you to be as Andre. <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> Me in the nip talking about myself. Right, it's lovely. Gonna <laughs> ranty, it's going to be very ranty. It's going to be very ranty. Okay. All right. well, this, this is absolutely. Thanks fantastic. for that, Brent. That was absolutely great. great. I love that. Yeah. That was lovely. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Take great. care. Really, really appreciate it. it. Thank See you, you guys. Mm. Bye bye. Cheers. Thank you. Blind, <laughs> <laughs>